Well, welcome back, everyone. Al Gottfried, A.J. Gottfried. We are broadcasting from Co- our State Farm Insurance remote studios yeah. this morning. We're out on the road. Coast to coast, uh, having fun. course, also available on our podcast, Living the Good Life Show, available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, you name it, the rest. But, of course, syndicated nationally, having some fun here. And it's always a pleasure bringing on our next guest. You've known him for quite a while, Pop. Yeah, I won't say 100 years, but at least uh, 40. Wow. Tim Mead, he's now the president of the Hall of Fame. and uh, The National Baseball Hall of Fame. Tim, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are you doing today? We're doing great. We're assuming you're back uh, in the office in Cooperstown. I am. It's, uh, it's a nice, cool, sunny 36 degrees, and uh, it's... Uh, just a special place to be right now. Yeah. As long as as, as long as the white stuff has removed itself, I'm fine. <laughs> Being a Californian. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I you know, just starting off with the fact that someone who, you know, in, with my generation growing up with idolizing uh your elected Hall of Famer Jer- uh, Derek Jeter and just uh you know, it's just absolutely amazing just because it, it, it's reminiscent of me just growing up and experiencing what everyone really did. But, I mean, he was an idol to – he still is an idol to so many people. Absolutely. And I, and I think that, look, everybody in this institution or, or who is honored in the gallery, uh, they're honored for their greatness, their contribution, who they are. Um, you know, I, don't, I try to avoid getting into ranking and rating and all, but – there's certainly a different mystique uh, following Derek Jeter, uh, as I think there was a different mystique that followed, you know, Tony Gwynn and, and Cal Ripken Jr. at the time, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just in in fact, in part because of the way they played the game, in part because they remained with the same organization throughout their career, so there was a you know a start to finish in, in one area. Um, but it's also how you played the game and you treated and respected it along the way. And I think this institution is full of those types of f- people, certainly, um, in the fraternity. Um, but if, if you look at the current, uh, uh, just current game today, Derek's, uh, Derek's status and what was accomplished in the five championships and everything, just uh, it's just been interesting to watch, and now it's going to be interesting and exciting, not interesting to, but to watch him take his rightful place in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, what three hundred and ninety-six votes, basically mm-hmm. almost a hundred percent unanimous. It was freaking awesome just to see that alone, and you know. And then I don't want to take anything away from Larry Walker because certainly uh, another guy who was well deserved of being in. I mean, his resume is truly one of the best I've ever seen. It's it's uh, so you've got there alone two. Just great inductees. We really do. And, and you know, Larry, we talk about the 396 out of 397, and then you have Larry who makes it by six votes. And at the end of the day, they're in the same fraternity and in the same, and they're going to go in together um, in the hall. And you know, I kind of like it a little bit. Is, certainly there was a lot of discussion, but, you know, my son graduated or passed the bar uh, the first time in California, and, to this day, he doesn't know what his score was. He just knows that he passed, and he's now hmm. lawyer. That's and cool. I think at the end of the day, uh, the numbers, the times, you know, Larry Walker waited 10, 
10 years. Ted Simmons waited 25 years, but they're going to be on that stage together in July, and that's that's the bottom line, and that's what's special. Well, talk about, um, you know, for a lot of our listeners around the country who may not even know who's being inducted. We just talked about a couple of them, but talk about it. Well, in addition to Larry Walker, uh, who is the first player in Rockies history uh, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, but he's the only Hall of Famer that's ever played in a Rockies uniform, which makes it even more special for the fans in Colorado and obviously the the folks in Montreal and, and the nationalism of Canada is equally as excited then you have Ted Simmons, uh, who obviously helped defeat our Angels, Allen, in 1982 uh, in postseason play and went on to the World Series against the Cardinals. Uh, you know, Ted Switch hitter obviously played a lot of years, never struck out more than 57 times in a season, mm. and it's just so grateful and humble for coming in. And then Marvin Miller, which uh, obviously there were several uh, times that Marvin was on the ballot initially and didn't make the cut and uh, or wasn't elected and and uh, you know there's a lot of people that are very think this is kind of unfinished business in a lot of ways and uh, his accomplishments and contributions to the game uh, certainly have been discussed and debated debated uh, but he's taken his his rightful place too as the veterans committee decided last December yeah t- talk a little bit about that the word strike comes to my mind when I hear Marvin Miller <laughs> talk about what he did. Well, obviously he helped institute or initiate free agency and arbitration into the system. He he fought for better conditions and pension, uh, you know, opportunities and options for the players, mm-hmm. and kind of brought him modernized things a little bit, and really in a lot of respects helped other leagues beyond it. Uh, it certainly was a contentious time with the labor uh, strife that, right. that went on in the uh, you know the, the 70s and the 80s. Yep. Uh, but it helped get it to a place, and obviously uh, Donald Fear and then you know, Michael Weiner picked up from there. And now Tony Clark, uh, but went through the tough times and the growing pains with the the union uh, of of baseball. Right. And uh, you know uh, you look back on it, and now it has its place. Some people would say that it was destined to get there anyway, but. Certain people have their moment and their time in history, and um, you know Marvin represented his constituency well and made a lot of progress into to where the game is today. Hey Tim, talk a little bit about the process of getting uh, names of players going. Is that started like uh, in a committee in, at the Hall of Fame, or is there? How does that go about? Well, there, Alan, there's a, a group called the, the uh, Historic Overview Committee. It's made up. It's comprised primarily of longtime writers and historians, and they come into Cooperstown once every couple of years in January and spend a lot of time in our research center and library going over the players of the of the generations or the eras that are forthcoming in the ballot, and they put together the ten person ballot that is eventually voted on by the Veterans Committee. So the Hall of Fame does not determine who those groups or who those 10 names are. And then, so that's brought out in, uh, I believe, September, November, or November, and uh, made public. And then we put together the Veterans Committee and try to to work very closely to make sure that there's no conflicts of interest in that. And then those 16 individuals get together in December 
have a very open and candid discussion, and uh, you have to you have to have twelve of a minimum of twelve or sixteen votes to uh, to find your way into Cooperstown. Well, great, thank you. So, speaking of the public, obviously the public's always interested in touring the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Talk a little bit about uh, the updated information uh, to do that. Well, it's uh, it really it's kind of a a bucket list destination point. And I think one of the great things, Alan, here is that when you come to Cooperstown, you really want to co- come to Cooperstown and you and you want to see just kind of the, the village and the environment. But when you come to the Hall of Fame, I've yet to, to meet anybody who's left here kind of underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, you know, for, for an individual, various ticket prices, but the high end is $25 to come through and spend all the time you want. And, uh, you know, there's three floors, um, you watch one of the great things of you know you get to share at a ballpark, you get to share at a at a museum. Here is you know when you see a grandfather or father explaining an exhibit mm. and taking themselves back into time when they were say that little eleven, ten, eleven year olds age, and talking about a player. Uh, we have a chronology of kind of going through the history of the game. Um, as I said before, there's. Ten percent of the art of actual 3D artifacts that we have are on display, um, so it's you can get everything out of this that you want out of it. And uh, and then there's the beauty of the area on top of it, um, you know, the lake right below the Hall of Fame, and then uh, uh, the Otisaga Hotel where the Hall of Famers stay during induction weekend. So there's plenty to do once you do come up here. So. It's we got we got four inductees this year. Now that's not always the same, right? I mean, uh, is there a maximum minimum? No, there's not. I mean, obviously, when you're doing with working with the veterans committee, you can vote up to the three names. Okay. Um, but same as the 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 writers ballot, you could vote for up to ten names, but you don't have to put. Got it. Ten names, and I think it's four four names on the. You just have committee. to reach what seventy five percent. Seventy-five percent. Um, Kurt Schilling came five uh, percent so, uh, short, basically. Right. So ultimately, what you want to do is, you know, the Hall of Fame. And there have been years there have been no living inductees. Hmm. There have been years that there have been on the Veterans Committee no inductees. Huh. And okay. uh, the bottom line is the Hall, for the most part, there will be one percent of of men who've played this game will be immortalized here. So. Under no circumstances are we encouraging more or are we disappointed if there's less because there's a process. We want that process to maintain its integrity, which it has, and once you receive that phone call or first the vote and then the phone call that you're in, you've gone through a tremendously special process. Do you think that, um, you know, going back, let's say, 10, 20 years, do you think various scandals or whatnot can affect the way someone uh, is looked at about, you know, getting into the Hall of Fame? Now he's going down to Houston with that no, one. No, the steroids, all that kind of, that era. I mean, how does that affect the process, dude? Well, the- you know what? Ultimately, it's first through the first 10 years, that's in the minds of the writers and the electorate that have to make that decision. Gotcha. So they talk amongst themselves, certainly. In this day and age, they talk publicly. You do it on social media. So I couldn't profess to sit here and no, inside the, the mindset of, of those voters. Right. But I think when you there's certain guidelines about ethics, 
contributions to the game, performance on the field uh, that fall into place with the Veterans Committee. Again, there's there's the definition of what a Hall of Famer is is read to that committee. The discussion beyond that, um, we don't encourage or discourage anything. I mean, the Hall of Fame, for the most part, is Switzerland in the process. And all we do is help put together the committee that has the open and candid discussion. And, you know, those topics certainly were forthcoming. Uh, in the in the one regard of Pete Rose, he's on an, on an ineligible list, as is Joe Jackson. So that really basically takes that out of the hands of the Hall of Fame. Um, so, you know, regarding the current status, we have to see how all that plays out um, for years to come. I mean, people 100 years later still talk about Joe Jackson. 30 years later, they talk about Pete Rose. And 15 years later, they're still talking about PEDs. Uh, because we all have opinions, yeah. and that's really what they are, and um, and then we see how they all slot into the, the narrative and the conversation. We have to go to break, but I mean, one of the, I think, main uh, uh, questions that lingers out there is people want to know, like, it, Major League Baseball, two different organizations, right? It's not the same as what you guys are in National Baseball Hall of Fame. Two different companies, organizations. Absolutely. We are... Um, we work, we work with the Hall of Fame, or pardon me, we work with Major League Baseball, obviously, yeah. through induction weekend and, and staying in touch with them. But no, we are separate. We're a 501c3. Uh, we have to generate funds and raise funds on our own. Uh, there's an endowment program. Gotcha. We have uh, a deal in place with Major League Baseball where they supported us over five years and certainly have done other things. But no, we're, we're, we're on our own. Hey, great talking to you, old friend Tim Mead. The best of health. We yep. appreciate it. Uh, we'll make this into a beautiful podcast and As well. play yep. it on the uh, network all week long. Yeah, thanks again. Sounds good, fellas. You guys take care. Bye-bye. I'm excited. Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, Ted Simmons. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, you can't forget Marvin Miller. Four inductees this year, 2020 National Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, as Tim talked about fathers and handing it down to grandsons and sons, I remember vividly my dad took me to the L.A. Memorial Coliseum April 1958 to witness the first Major League Baseball game played in Los Angeles. You know he's